0: Welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we invite you on a journey into the crucible for a weekly or fortnightly celebration of all things Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of discovery. I am your co-host, Zach Armstrong, sometimes sweaty, sometimes not, Uh, always talking about Keyforge, though. And I am here, as always, with Ed Pocock. How are you, Ed?
1: Hello, Zach. Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing very well. The Archons have smiled upon me. And it is a good day.
0: Ah, uh, that's fantastic. I mean, sometimes that can go either way, though, because sometimes when the Archons smile upon you, they want you to join their little, you know, thirty-six unit team, and then you have to go into battle for them. So, you know, uh, uh, I mean, if that's going to happen, that could be that could be a rough couple of months for you.
1: But that's fine, Zach, because the law very clearly explains how Archon battles follow through into Keyforge in the wider world. Mm. <clears throat>
0: uh sure sure uh yeah i mean i just i know i wouldn't want to be you know just hit by board wipes over and over again and then resurrected that would get awfully tiring it would do
1: it would do it's almost like it doesn't make sense just 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 let me live
0: in the discard pile it's perfectly comfortable (laughs) there's dexter and bad penny are never there when except when they did get discarded like it's you know it's fine
1: You want to get rid of a sweaty Zach, there's only one way you have to purge them. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, let's keep going before Ed decides to infurnace
0: me. Uh, Ed, what, what are we talking about today? And we are finally back to having illustrious guests on the podcast. People don't have to just listen to us ramble about things. Isn't that nice?
1: I think it's extremely nice. It's even nicer for our listeners, to be honest, who probably by this point are exceedingly fed up of listening to the two of us rant on about interesting topics for us that may or may not be interesting for them. Um, So yeah, very delighted to be joined by Mike, but you might know him better as Soho Jin on Reddit. Hi, Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. Glad to be here. Great to have you, and we have got a topic today, haven't we, Zach?
0: We do, we do. We are going to talk about what makes a great Keyforge card, which is, of course, a wonderfully broad topic. So we'll just touch on kind of the subjective parts on what what does make a great Keyforge card. Uh, and uh, one note: if you didn't recognize the name from the 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 author bit. Uh Mike, aka Soho Jin is the one behind uh several posts to the hobby drama subreddit, uh which go through some of Keyforge's darkest times, but are just written in such a lovely way that the readers and the commenters of these posts say, you know, you took us through some of the worst bits of Keyforge, but now I want to play Keyforge. We couldn't resist having someone with that kind of magic for Keyforge uh, on the podcast, which is why we're having Mike on here to to talk about uh, just great Keyforge cards in general. So we're, we're really excited to dive into that.
1: First, we always like to get to know our guests a little bit better. So Mike, tell us, how did you first discover Keyforge and what really drew you into it?
2: So... Uh, going back uh, sort of before I first came across key Forge um I discovered magic the gathering when I was sort of around 14 fifteen it was being played in my school library and the first concept of this type of card game was brought to my attention the idea of summoning creatures and casting magic spells and you know having to having to build your way to taking down your opponent in such a game it was it was brand new to me, and, and it was very, very exciting. Um, and I played that for probably about a year and a half. I didn't get completely competitive with it. I think once I discovered that side of it, it got a bit uh, a bit too much for me. Um, and then I sort of went away from it for a few years, didn't really think about it. But when I got older, I'd uh, left university, and that itch for that same card game came around again. I sort of rediscovered magic with the dual decks, which I think were very cool ideas. The idea is two decks designed to face against each other. And I was pretty happy with that for a while. And I got more into tabletop at large. And then I had a very good friend of mine from the US uh, called Mr. Chris Klein. And he'd been playing various card games at his local game store, games like Weissfarts and other things. And he first told me about this game called KeyForge, and gave me the basic idea behind it: that there are no booster packs; that you buy decks sealed, and they are complete, and you cannot change them. And each one comes with its own individual name. Every single deck in the world is is entirely unique. And as soon as I heard about this, I immediately I wanted to know more because it was the kind of idea that I would never have come up with. It's ne- it's the game that I never would have asked for. But as soon as I knew that it existed, and I knew about it, I knew I had to play it. So, very big thanks to uh, to Mr. Klein for for showing me that and bringing something into my life that is, I don't want to say it's taken over my life, but maybe a small part of it.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say it's taken over my life either, but uh, some <laughs>
2: something
0: mm-hmm. called facts might might disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that was the reaction a lot of us, whether people came from Magic the Gathering uh, or or board games or like uh, other FFG games like Netrunner myself, a lot of us heard the concept of this game and said, oh, you know, whether I thought about it or not, that's the kind of lifestyle card game I've been looking for. Right. Like uh, when I sit down at the table, there's less of a chance, especially in locals, that there's going to be a several hundred dollar gap between me and my opponent that determines uh who wins now of course if you have like a good you know a good play group for for edh of course you set good expectations then you're having plenty of fun you're having plenty of fun there right but KeyForge really takes a lot of that out of the equation especially with just how fun sealed is and just the magic of a unique deck so yeah yeah that's that's awesome i think i think what saying to you they're saying to a lot of us as well
1: absolutely and so that drew you to the idea of Keyforge, but what, what made it stick? What was the moment playing Keyforge or the one thing that made you go, wow, this really lives up to the idea I I I had of it when I you know first heard the concept?
2: Um I don't know if I'd say it's one specific moment or or thing. I think it was a, a multitude of things over the course of the game's run. Because when I very, very first discovered the game um well first of all i was obsessed with having unique names for decks i just thought that was that was awesome uh, but <laughs> i also liked this sp- i also liked the speed of the game compared to magic the gathering in that with magic you're drawing one card a turn with keyforge you are kind of encouraged to use more cards to draw more cards and things i think flowed a lot better for me and so i think that the base gameplay um felt like i was doing a lot more with each turn that i was making um and in terms of how uh, the game kept me around and what made me want to keep playing because when i first started i wouldn't have said that key Forge was my favorite tabletop game i would have said it was a good tabletop game but it wasn't my favorite but i think that the game has evolved in many ways and i think that having the extra sets there's more complexity and depth And I think I was when I started to notice that um, what originally felt like it might have have been um, a game that was similar to other card games in that people were constantly searching for bait and switch decks. You know, everyone was running shadows. You didn't want to play a non-shadows deck or, you know, you're wasting your time. Or at least that's what it felt like uh, a lot of the time. And then the game just kind of evolved from there and it became much more about your strategy. Um, and the community as well, I think, helped those changes uh, become part of our identity with things like all of the new custom formats that people have created. Things like Tesla and uh, Moirai and uh, Adaptive gaming gaining a little bit of steam. Things like the SAS ratings, uh, becoming more refined over time and becoming integrated into uh, the tournament scenes, and I think that the game has become more of what people wanted from it because of what we have allowed to happen. The idea of the jungle, as as Richard Garfield has put it, um, I think people, you know, want it to be that. So we are we are doing everything we can to to bring it to be that, and whether or not it is quite yet there yet whether or not it is in the jungle, um, as, as the initial promise would say, I think is subjective, but the game keeps getting closer and closer to it. It keeps becoming um, less of the amusement park with each new set, with each new uh, series of formats that people have come up with. And yeah, I think that the game has just gone from, strength to strength and has given me more reason to play it not as just a silly little card game with random decks but as something that's really worth spending time looking at and thinking about
0: listener anyone wondering what uh what mike's metaphors are about with the jungle on the amusement park definitely be sure to check out richard garfield's letter at the end of the KeyForge rulebook. rule book if you haven't read that definitely go do that i'll make sure to link that in the show notes
1: and it's going to be interesting to see to what extent when we we go back to high level play in person run by ffg to what extent ffg embraced the jungle embrace those weird and wacky formats and variants because yeah the the shadows the shadow centric view that you uh you 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 said that keyforge kind of started out at as it is is in a way very archon solo centric and um Here's to hoping that truly FFG embrace lots and lots of different formats in the vault tours of 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 tomorrow and everything. But um, you you mentioned about sets as well, Mike. Do you have a Do you have a favorite set?
2: Well, see if my if I were to order the sets, shall I order them and and kind of just just say how they are? Because my favorite set is Mass Mutation. I would okay. say that that is that's closest to. I think the enhancements um, are a big part of that. I don't think they're everything to do with it, but I think mass Mutation has a lot of these kind of crazier effects and um, I don't know I th- I, th- I think it, it's difficult to describe sure, but it feels great. a lot it feels very interesting I'm, I've been very excited opening mass Mutation decks to see kind of weird combinations of things that I that I have um, but my second close favorite is actually age of Ascension which I know is a controversial pick uh, but that for me is a close second Um. And then Dark Tidings. I do really like Dark Tidings. I've liked it. The more I play Dark Tidings, the more I like it. And then Worlds Collide and Kota in last place. Although that's not that I dislike it. It's just a little bit simpler compared to the others. But I still really enjoy Kota as well.
0: Yeah, I think you and I have a very similar kind of experience and view of the evolution of the game and the sets. Uh, Like if if our listener, if you listen to our Worlds Collide set retrospective, Worlds Collide is really what locked it in for me that the game was going to have a lot of um, ex- gameplay diversity in matchups and different sets and different decks, and uh, especially, like you said, with with mass mutation, Mike. Mass mutation, just gosh, you already have unique decks. Some play similar, some don't. Like all are, you know, worth at least exploring. But then you put enhancements in there, and you get you get tricks and things that no, almost no other cards can do because because of how because of how the enhancements fall. I'm still looking. For that three amber, two damage pip key frog. So if uh, if anybody <laughs> if anybody has that, feel free to just send it my way.
2: <laughs> I think I think my luckiest enhancement pull is a demo thief with two damage pips because if you want to, you can just immediately uh, destroy it and steal an amber. if that's that's, you know if that's better for for the situation it's a two it's a two power creature with elusive if you want to just kill it off to steal an amber you can if you want to use it for other means you can do that as well
0: yeah that's that's fantastic because you could pop wards target another creature uh or or just steal one that's yeah that's that's great part part of the 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 reason we, we got you on uh today not our topic of course but they are your stories about Keyforge on the hobby drama subreddit. It is essentially almost reality TV, going through oh here's all the messy details of this drama in this in this hobby. But your your posts have turned people on to Keyforge, even though you've highlighted things like the Archimedes ruling and uh, the Las Vegas vault tour, all these sorts of things. Uh, what uh, what what was going through your mind when you when you decided to go start putting these posts together?
2: Well. Because strangely enough, my goal with these posts um, was to bring attention to Keyforge at large. I do think that out of all the things the game accomplished, the advertising isn't very widespread. A lot of people don't know about it. And I was searching for a way to do that. And I considered all these different things. I'm thinking, okay, you've got tabletop-based subreddits and communities. You've got people here, people there. But... For, to just come into a community and say, hey, here's this great game, and here's the great things about it, and here's why you should buy it, it almost comes across as desperate. It's the so- sort of thing that a shill would do. Someone who's who's only in it to just kind of uh, get, get get something else out of it rather than actually wanting to build community. Um, but being s- such a lover of the game and wanting more people to play, I, I kept thinking about ways to do that. And then I came across the hobby drama Subreddit, which is a great place, with uh, various other articles, and I realised immediately that there were certain things I wanted to talk about that would be applicable for for this with KeyForge, and I guess I just considered that maybe if I uh, if I keep reiterating that these are issues that were resolved and that were were back in the day, and also reiterating. I think I start every single one of those with the sentence I love keyforge and then say but there were troubling times and I think that that may have have helped people um to realize that I, you know this was coming from a place of passion and I've received various messages uh, from people on reddit saying that they picked up the game because of me that they one of them was saying that his his uh, his I think it was his wife was reading the article out to him and he was laughing about it. And in my head, I'm thinking, I didn't imagine anyone would be doing this, you know, and then said, oh, and then we went to buy some decks. We thought it sounded interesting. We thought that, you know, try out these crazy combos. And so, yeah, it seems strangely ironic that posts that would come across with a lot of the dark times that Keyforge faced would actually get people into it. Uh, most of the responses that got were were very positive. There were there were a couple of people that said, oh, look at this, he's telling us how bad the game is, it must be bad. But I think most people um, kind of understood that this was, I guess, being honest. I think people are more willing to accept something than, than, or uh, to understand your passion if you can be honest, if you can look at the flaws and the faults. And uh, without putting something across as oh it's the perfect game there's never any problems with it um i think that that honesty probably came through and uh and and made people want want to to play the game themselves
0: that's fantastic and i feel like that paradox you described is very keyforge where you said you know you 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 wrote these uh not imagining people would laugh and read them read them out loud but going in with genuineness and saying, I love the game and here's how I'm going to talk about it's darkest time. So I can use that to, to point you to what I do, what I point you to what I do love about it. That's a, a little bit like the paradox or the perceived paradox of Keyforge being that a unique deck, uh, a unique deck. Oh, surely that can't be more personal than a constructed deck, but wait, like actually I think to most Keyforge players that does end up being more personal because I'm the only one I, you know, I have a deck just to my right here. I have, the droid who glues aliens. Nobody else has this exact list of thirty-four <laughs> cards, right? Nobody, nobody else has this particular deck with four Ganymede Archivists and two Mothers. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, no matter how strong that deck is, it's it's one of a kind. And um, uh, yeah, I think and I think that genuineness—that's something people value, right? Brands try to do that well in marketing. So for a community member to go, "Hey, I love this game. Here's one of the darkest bits, and here's how I can show you the best bits." Uh, through a story with some of the darkest bits that you're also going to hopefully be entertained at. I just, That's I, such in the spirit of Keyforge, and I love that people have gotten into the game <laughs> through reading uh, about all these things. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, I was super happy to have had that response. Um, I couldn't quite believe that, that so many people were messaging me saying, yeah, yeah, we started playing the game now. It's great. Thank you. Thank you for showing it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I've done something for the community, at least. I've helped out somewhat.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant.
1: So let's shift now to our main topic, which is, of course, what makes a Keyforge card great? And we would be remiss, first of all, not to discuss really what does great mean here? Does great mean formats? Does great mean as a card game in general? What what does great mean here? What do you think, Mike? So i my definition for a great
2: card is something that is exciting and interesting the kind of card that um, at least for a lot of people they're going to either have fun using it they're going to like seeing it they're going to want to 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 play with it and find things out it's not necessarily going to mean that it's a super competitive card that's really overpowered um that's i think a very very different topic you can have cards that are extremely good but maybe aren't as interesting or don't do um
1: wacky things that other uh, much beloved cards do so uh so card power doesn't necessarily equal a great card and uh something something that's good in archon isn't necessarily great overall uh, zach do you share do you share that sentiment i do i do and i think
0: the uh, there is an appropriate amount of subjectivity around it, right? Like, for instance, I would call Bad Penny a great card not because of, you know, Bad Penny's just effect if it's not synergizing with anything in the deck, but one, uh, one because of how iconic the card is. Everybody knows Bad Penny. The evolution to Rad Penny was, was celebrated, right? And Bad Penny shows off the most bonkers, most Keyforge parts of Keyforge when that card is synergizing with other things, when you've got ping damage and things rewarding you for getting creatures destroyed, right? Like a, a Soul Snatcher, an Auto Cannon, and a Bad Penny. So you play Bad Penny, she takes a damage, you get namber, she goes back to your hand. And you just do that six times per turn, right? Um, like, so Bad Penny would be a great card for me, but there's plenty of people who go, no, Bad Penny's not a great card because... I'm just annoyed when when I, I I play her right because a part of being a great card might just be an exciting card to play whether it's straight powerful or just entertaining or exciting uh, that can be uh, another dial for it right because I know some people are some loyal listeners will be rolling their eyes at bad penny <laughs> because they've they've never they've never really uh, just derived that enjoyment from from that card.
2: I think if you open an AOA deck with four bad pennies as I have, you wouldn't have as much of a positive experience Ugh. with that card. Yep.
0: Yeah, that's, that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> and I, I, will, I will say in defense of the bad penny detractors that I probably have discarded bad penny more than I've gotten to use her in a lovely combo. However, my daydreaming hours about using bad penny in amazing combos
1: are, are immense. Which is awesome, which is awesome. And and I guess there we have to start thinking about those cool and awesome effects and how they, how they interact with the design space of Keyforge and whether that design space that's open to Keyforge makes what a great card is in Keyforge different than what a great card is across different card games. So I guess if we start this off by talking about, you know, we talked about powerful and not so powerful, but what about situational cards? Can situational cards be great cards or are they just situational? I believe that situational cards can
2: indeed be great cards.
0: Yeah, I, I think situational cards do do get to be the exciting ones, is is what I'll, I'll say about that. Uh where where you where you get to craft the state in which the situational card is is, is highly effective. Is highly effective.
1: But there's a fine line there, isn't there, between it being a feel bad card ninety-nine percent of the time and uh, and uh, a feel good card, one percent at the time. You need you need that you need that dynamic to be balanced for it to be a a great card to 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 play and to feel feel like you're playing. Yeah, uh, I agree definitely.
0: And I think uh, another entire category that certainly Keyforged cards get some some great notoriety and achieve some greatness in right is the the art and the flavor. Uh, I've been surprised at how well the crucible even though it's very much the kitchen, everything in the kitchen sink excuse for our own IP to take any, anything. I'm way more charmed by the crucible than I ever thought I would be after reading about it. Initially uh, we've had some novels and things, right? So we don't have, but we don't have a big kind of big stories like some of the other, other card games do, but it's very charming and, and the, the creatures and the beings and the societies in the crucible Uh, do have some substance that if you're into the game like it it starts to it starts to make sense and i think some cards uh what are what are some cards that that you two love for that reason maybe they don't have gameplay effect right but like what what are some of like the thematic great cards that that you all have come across
2: in terms of in terms of theming um i think probably my favorite card from that would be the pairing of Igon the Green and Igon the Terrible. Hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it was in one of the first, one of the first Worlds Collide decks that I opened and immediately I'm just drawn to it. I love the, the way the art, uh, the, the, I guess the morphing of the art from being very upbeat looking and the captain stood, you know, proud over his ship to this monstrous looking man and the flavor text that goes along with it um and just wanting to know what's the story behind him what 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 made him turn into this thing
1: that he he was uh you know so opposed to before i'm going to go something that is more similar to pop culture that we've already seen and that is Fagin and the Urchins Uh. um, to to kind of bring in the Dickensian side to House Shadows just made so much sense (laughs) Um, and uh, I thought it was fabulous and it was an early flex for kind of what they could do with the algorithm and how it could look like which means that Fagin decks will always have a special place in my heart.
0: Yeah and I do do also uh, I get a a burst of enjoyment from cards that uh even if they're not highly powerful, are marrying that particular theme really well with their mechanics, right? I think I think Fagan and the the urchins do that with, with Fagan re- re- recurring the urchins uh reliably. And two cards that I, I love because of the board state you need for them, so they're particular and their theme is right on point with that are uh Glorious Few from Call of the Archons and a few other sets. Where you get uh, you play it an action card, you get one amber for every creature your opponent controls in excess of you, and then it's uh, Star Alliance cousin Hold the Line, where it's the same effect except for drawing cards, drawing one card for every creature your opponent controls in excess of you, Um, and uh, they're just so fun because it is we're we're behind we're the underdog at least as far as the the battle lines are concerned, so we're gonna we're gonna dig deep uh, and try to get an advantage uh out of out of that so um of course both can be powerful cards in their own right uh you know based on based on the situation um but i I always i always enjoy those those dramatic cards right that are theme the theme and situation all wrapped up in one
1: wild wormhole Sorry, I just Ed, I just thought I'd shout Wild Wormhole. Ed, Ed just sounds Wild Wormhole a, a couple card. times
0: per 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 thing. It's it's uh It only happened after he got kidnapped by by D House and Jay Bray. I, I, we haven't been able to undo the brainwashing. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm going through therapy from the whole experience, and they say it's good just to be really open about it sometimes. So that's why I, I come out. But, incidentally, though, Wild Wormhole is a cracking card when it comes to design, and. Uh, it makes it such a fun experience. Um I'd say that makes it a good Keyforge card because it embodies that kind of wild whimsy that Keyforge so so well exudes. Yeah, I think because it it
2: it enables you to do randomness well in a game. You know, and not not a lot of card games would have random effects that would feel uh good. I think Wild Wormhole is almost the quintessential. Keyforge card it's you know the unexpected you're turning that card over and seeing what's what's beyond it especially if you play sealed and you don't look at the deck list and you'll just say well we're going to see what's happening next i have no idea hope it hope it's not key hammer because uh that's one of the most annoying things but <laughs> um but i think other cards that could have effects that aren't necessarily worded as having a random effect but you don't know their effect until you actually put them in the game. So mimicry, for instance, you don't know until you play that matchup what card you're going to mimic. That card could could be anything. By the time you get to play it, you know it could be an amber control card. It could be a creature control card. Um, it could cross houses, cross sets. You you don't know what it's going to do until you actually play that matchup. And I I'll, <laughs> I was going to say I'll, I'll have to mention uh, the likes of Snack Lifter and Borrow. Because being able (laughs) to just take... I love Borrow. It's one of my favorite cards since it was introduced. But especially having out-of-house and out-of-set artifacts on your side of the table is... Well, it it just... You you don't know what you're going to take from the opponent. It's true. And one of my favorite wins was uh, my opponent played Seasforge and then I borrowed it. And that (laughs) took away their win state and gave me the win state. It was just... Oh, it was perfect. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I played a, a Call of the Archons Snecklifter deck um, uh, with Snecklifter and Borrow, of course, letting you uh, nab uh, nab the opponent's artifact and in most cases turn it to, to House Shadows uh, or another one in your deck um, or another house that you have in your in your deck. And uh, I rode to the top cut when uh, Worlds Collide had just released. I was a store championship playing a Call of the Archons deck with Snecklifter and people kept playing hologramophones across the table from me. Which I would then take with my Snack Lifter um, in a deck that is uh, easily threatened by a big board, and people kept giving me hologramophones to protect all my creatures with, and it was very kind of them. <laughs> I got, uh, I think, three wins out of six on the back of hologramophones in that in that particular that particular tournament. So, yeah, and uh, uh, honorable shout out to things like Merkins and uh, Fidget as well, just playing playing random things from your opponent's deck. Just pure pure chaos. Pure theft and, and chaos sometimes. Just so fun. Um,
2: I'll say, uh, in terms of different archetypes of cards, I think the one type of card that I think of as the board warp is mm, the card yeah. that is, usually has a double-sided effect on the entire, but it just changes the game entirely. Um, mm. And I think one of my favorite ones... From that is gambling den because it almost adds a mini game to the game
1: at the start of every turn. The board warp, I love this. Yeah. I love this concept. Um, that's fantastic. I'm I am this is along with uh the loot boxes comment. I'm I'm taking this and I'm gonna run with it and repeat it multiple times board warp and cracking and i think
0: the (laughs) the the design space that keyforge has right allows for bigger board warp cards because in a constructed format you can just build your deck around these two-sided board warp cards like gambling den you know like um like quintrino flux quixel stone all these sorts of things um and then you could probably make some pretty unfair decks but in Keyforge, if you happen to have a good setup then i mean hey you happen to have a good a good setup in your deck that i'm sure there's a silver bullet to whether it's another card match up uh or just smart play on the other side but gambling den is one of my one of my favorites too mike because of uh At first, when you look at it, it's of course, well, okay, I guess I'll I'll make sure I'm counting what's left in my deck so I can make a most accurate guess. Uh, I can maybe not guess if I'm, you know, I'm close to check already, or I definitely guess if I'm only at two Amber, but uh, then you start to play and you start to realize, wait, let's say I get one right. Is there a situation after I get it right and get two Amber where I can take a turn that ends with me not drawing any additional cards? Or can I take a turn in Star Alliance where I leave some stuff on top of my deck that I know what it is, and then all of a sudden you're setting yourself up for multiple gambling den hits in in a row? Like there there's a lot more depth to that card than than I realized. Which of course is offered to your opponent too because it's two sided.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's an it's an interesting one, and I I I love the hidden depths of these. Board warp cards that you might feel like you know how to play a certain board warp card, but when you play that in a different deck, it's a completely different card. And I think you're right, Zach. Keyforge can do things here that other games can't. But there is one thing to consider with so-called board warps. Um we've spoken a bit in the past about RAM in a game, and this is the idea where, yeah, this is Team Covenant's idea where Yeah, just as your computer has a certain number of processes that it can manage at one time, your brain has too. And sometimes Keyforge does come slightly close to butting up against that, particularly with the later sets. And these boardwalk cards can be quite ram-intensive on the brain of being something that you have to remember to play in addition to Keyforge itself. Um, So do we think that there is a limit with some of these cards where... A Keyforge card isn't, card isn't a great card anymore because it's just too much to think about at any one time or there's too much of a barrier there to entry. I mean, I think one good thing
2: is that a lot of these board warp cards are kept at rare. And so if, if Gambling Den was at common or if you had a lot of these board warps at <laughs> common, it would be insane. And for, it would also make them less special because you'd see them all the time. Um, and I guess that that... Yeah, if you had I don't know six different board warps in play at any one time it would probably be too much I think keeping most of them rare is the way to go forward uh, with the design um because you want those events to be to be special and I think I've had only one game where both players had gambling den and it's just like wow I, I you know you, you'd never see that um which would probably be taken away. You know, by having them a lesser rarity.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. As we we've Dark Tidings, of course, has that, you know, higher RAM, that random access memory, how much stuff do you have to keep track of that is, you know, that, that team covenant uh idea. And yeah, keeping them at rare certainly keeps the game a bit easier because as we've seen with Dark Tidings, uh man, smoke pours out of most people's ears <laughs> mm. uh, you know, in the decision in the decision space there. So um, yeah, I think it would be possible for there to be uh, something that's a bit too much. But exactly like you said, Mike, keeping them at rare uh, keeps those decks. Uh, those are decks are a bit more novelties than they are something f- frustrating to roll your eyes at at a sealed night.
2: <laughs> I think next we could talk about um, the type of card. Well, since you liked my uh, board warp uh, phrase, uh, the type of card that I call Niche God. And these are cards that we were talking earlier about, cards that were perhaps very situational. The way I describe a niche god card is it's a card that it doesn't always do much, but when it does, it is godlike. So it it, it goes from being a niche card that doesn't really have much use to being a godlike card that accomplishes a lot. And one of my favorites um, from this category is Chonkers.
0: Mm. Because...
2: Which might be, I don't know, that that almost sounded like uh, a disagreement there, but it's a card that doesn't always do a lot and it can be quite difficult to get its ability uh, to pay off, to get it to be this massive creature with Skirmish, but when it does happen and it suddenly becomes this massive threat on the board... All of a sudden, that entire game now revolves around chonkers.
1: Yeah, it, it's an interesting one. I, I guess for me, it's Khalifi Dragon. I love the feeling of getting that out, but right. I I wouldn't say it's a great card. It's a it's a it's a really great concept, but I'm not sure that the card delivery is quite there. And I wonder whether chonkers is in the same category here. Of maybe it's it, it's it's a little bit too niche. Maybe it doesn't fire quite as often as you'd like it to. Um, But maybe that's my play style. Maybe I'm just someone that likes to have something that works a little bit more reliably. It it can also be, I mean, I think Dark
2: Tidings has uh, introduced more cards that can manipulate plus one power counters. And yeah, you're right. um, So I think Chonkers is probably a bit more useful in in this set. And if you've got those sorts of cards, like Growth Surge, you've got uh, Genetic Drift, The Fittest, it's probably... a bit easier to get them to uh to really push that card into the godlike status and assert dominance as well assert dominance that can help definitely but on the on the subject of uh of more i guess not necessarily more competitive cards although i think that this is a um a category that more fits that type of thing that you're 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 more likely to use this card to really gain some ground um as card, cards that I would call strategic centerpieces, they're cards, the types of cards that you find them in the deck and you think, right, what can I do with this? Because this has got potential. So, uh, a classic one for me would be uh, Val Jericho. Mm. So that's a card that's got a lot of potential. And if you're looking at what you can do out of house and how important it is to get Val Jericho in the center of your battle line, because of course, you if she is in, your, in the center of your battle line, you can play any card that's not of the active house. So you could go into a disc turn and play a Logos turn, and then next turn, play a Star Alliance turn, and then play a di- So you've got a lot of options if you can keep her around. And it's the type of card where, uh, because there's so many possibilities, you it makes you want to narrow down what are the most effective things that I can possibly do with this card. Another one I think kind of goes within the same range as that is a uh, jar goggle because it <laughs> can have a potential for a very simple effect of oh i want to archive this card later i'll put it in a jar goggle but anytime i've seen that card it's made me really want to think what can i get out of this by having mm-hmm. it be destroyed on my turn so that it can then activate the card that i've put under it and it's not necessarily going to have the same effectiveness in every deck but it's the I guess the kind of card where you you feel encouraged to push the the strategy of your game plan um maybe not completely around it but definitely taking it into account of when you're when you're building your your game plan. Uh,
0: I I won't bore long-time listeners with stories they've heard before but suffice to say I agree completely on Jar Goggle and the possibilities and rules edge cases with that card are immense.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. The um master plan and the the idea of graft in the future might be another similar similar thing that causes tons of edge cases like that, I suppose, which would be nonetheless entertaining.
0: So, I know we've talked a lot about what makes a card great. Uh well, it's it's technically subjective, I think. I think there's a lot of agreement um across the community on many kinds of great cards, right? And uh, maybe think about what, what is a card? What has made a card great in your eyes, listener? Um, definitely hit us up on on social media thinking about that, right? Mike makes a card great. At the end of the day, it's subjective, but a lot of us have had just such great experience of the cards. A lot of us have had really favorite cards. And so, Mike, we want to ask you, uh, what in the context of what makes a keyforge card great to you, what is the greatest card of all time? What is your favorite Keyforge card?
2: Well, I'm afraid to say, Ed, Glory Be
1: to Mars because it is <laughs> it is collector worm. Yeah. Okay, I will concede collector <laughs> worm is a fun card. I absolutely love playing that card it's 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 one of yeah it's one of those cards where you just see your opponent's face and uh if they haven't seen a collector one before they think okay this is doable because it's only got two power um and then they start fighting into it and realize the five armors there (laughs) it is a fantastic card i concur but it's just such a shame it's in an just such an awful house (laughs) isn't it Really? Uh, it's a shame. Standard disclaimer <laughs> that the views
0: of Ed Pocock <laughs> do not necessarily represent the views of Call of Discovery as an organization. Um, so uh, Collective Worm, of course, <laughs> being the Age of Ascension creature, two power, five armor beast. Uh, it has art that I adore, but it's super gross. And it says, "Fight, archive the creature. Collector worm fights. If that creature leaves your archives, put it into its owner's hand instead." What enjoyment do? Well, uh, let me rephrase. What kind of uh, sick enjoyment do you derive uh, from <laughs> from collector Play worm most. here, Mike? Like, what what <laughs> what excites you about using collector worm?
2: I think that for me it it crosses a lot of the different categories at the same time. First of all the the theme of it of it is it is collecting things and unlike uh the zookeeper which could do something similar by reaping and putting an opponent's creature into your archives the collector worm is literally going to fight it it's literally attacking the thing going and grabbing it and going you're part of my collection now and so now that that's in your archives you can look at it anytime you want and much like if you are a collector you are having things on display, you're not using them, you're not touching them, you're just looking at them from time to time and admiring them and saying, I like that creature, I'm going to collect it. Um, It's also a card that has a lot of potential if you can really make it work. It's it's a card that in in certain games can almost become the centrepiece of your strategy that your opponent puts out some cool little uh, high-value creatures on the board. Maybe they've got Elusive and collector worm just comes and collects them takes them all out of their uh out of their battle line and yeah i think it um it can i think the five armor is is very special about it i think there's only two creatures uh that and sir Bever, i think are the only two creatures with five or more armor i may be wrong on that oh unless we count effigy of Melaruk, but then again that's that's 100 power 100 armor that's that doesn't necessarily count um but it does it it can create kind of an interesting board state where it's not always clear how um how much of a threat collector one will be for them and i also think it's quite a balanced card because especially now with bigger creatures we've got uh big sorry and dinosaurs that can take it out um not so much Brobnar anymore, but it's a card for me that I I feel that it is. It is a very good card. It's not a card that is overpowered in any way, but it can definitely put a thorn in your opponent's side. And when it does work, when it really kicks off, and you can get multiple uses out of it, it it can uh, be one of those defining cards for that particular matchup. Um, and yeah, you say you say sick pleasure, but I, I, I don't know. I I just uh, I just think that's that's my idea of fun.
0: uh yeah that's (laughs) i well i I can't comment on on that but yeah uh, that is a great reason for for a favorite card and uh collector worm uh, i definitely think there are some some um some people pumping their fist in excitement because collector worm i definitely think has some of those dedicated fans Uh, and i hadn't quite thought about how special the theme is there right zookeeper you reap and you kind of get it uh, in this kind of amorphous way, but Collector Worm is quite literally going out and collecting the creature uh, via via a fight, and uh, yeah, that is that fits theme, and yeah, is just so so powerful. And people don't often think about. Wait, I don't get that creature back at all. I can't bounce it back to my hand. I can't recur it. Well, now I have to play without that creature. So yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing.
1: Okay. Wow. Um, so I think we've, we've really kind of unlocked what a great card in Keyforge looks like here, but I'm sure we've missed a few things. So listeners, if you think of a great card category, I guess, uh, something that makes cards great in Keyforge that we haven't thought about, that's maybe unexpected and unexplored, then please do let us know. And what can people look forward to
0: as far as your, uh, your your writing and content pursuits that we've enjoyed so far? Anything planned for the future?
2: Well, I, I do have a, a few ideas of knocking around in my head. Uh, there is the Hobby Tales subreddit, which um, means it doesn't necessarily need to be about drama. And so I've thought of a few things uh, here and there. We have uh, just a general overview of the game or perhaps even the tabletop royale. A tournament that ended with the surprise of uh, Light Tasker versus Can't phage and then another challenger coming into the pit. Um, might not want to spoil that, but uh, as apart from that, I think I would definitely like to provide more things for the community. I've got some various ideas about content that I'd want to make, whether or not it's on Reddit or whether it's um, for a different format, maybe some gameplay. On, on Crucible or something else around the subject of Keyforge.
1: But I'll definitely be sticking around and uh, trying to find my place here. Wonderful, wonderful. And dear listener, if you are enjoying Call of Discovery, please do subscribe on your podcast app of choice or YouTube. Actually, we're putting episodes on YouTube now, which is very exciting. If you're new to Keyforge, please visit the New player guide on Archon Arcana, the Keyforge wiki linked below to get started on your own unique journey into this wonderful, unique game. If you're looking to support us monetarily, please visit our Patreon link below where you can sign up and support us monthly and enjoy rewards like our exclusive Discord where we get many topics and questions for the show. We also have an exclusive podcast series for our Patreons, which I think we'll probably have a new episode up for by the time this episode is published on on the main Call of Discovery. So on that, we talk about all kinds of things that we don't or can't talk about in regular podcasts. So join us for those if you fancy being a patron. Let us also know what you'd like to see more of or less of in future shows by interacting with us across social media, on the Twitter and on the Facebook, or send us an email at podcast at callofdiscovery.com. But most importantly, if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please do help them to discover it. Have you answered the call of discovery?